Hey, it's Melaine Lee, and you found your way to the Divine Goddess Revolution podcast. This podcast is no ordinary podcast. It is for women looking to thrive, not just survive. It's for women looking to learn how to really unlock and unleash that divine light within so that they can rock their inner goddess on a daily basis. The experts will be featured from all over the world, supporting you in becoming that badass divine goddess that you were born to be. Super excited about this episode with Sarah. She is just so my homegirl. She's honest, she's open, she's direct, she's transparent, and she's really killing it as an entrepreneur right now. You definitely need to check her out. You can find her at Startup Pregnant, or you can also find her at Sarah K. Peck. Really find out what she's up to because she's really creating some amazing things in the world right now. And what I just love about her is her transparency and her honesty. And it just is so refreshing. It reminds me of being back home in Jersey. I just love the direction that this show is going to take today. And we're really going to dive into, you know, why being a direct mother is the only way to be and letting go of perfectionism and embracing the messiness of life and also the value and importance of time. So here we go. So Sarah, thank you so much for being a yes to this season's podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. So excited to dive right in and talk all things entrepreneurial, mom, (laughs) and the the mix between and everything in between. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm, You're so welcome. I always love talking to people that live in Manhattan because I just find a kindred, well, live in New York City, I should say, like, I just find that I always have a kindred spirit with them and the directness that goes on over there, you know, (laughs) especially like in the East Coast, I should say, because I'm originally from Jersey. And I feel like a little bit of a fish out of water in New Zealand being that, you know, they're not as direct down here. And how do you feel like that directness serves you as a mother and as an entrepreneur? Do you feel that it does? Oh, yeah. I was reluctant to move to Manhattan and New York City, but I did because of a guy and we got married and, you know, spoiler alert, we're having our second kid together. So <laughs> it's so far it's working out um, and we live in New York City. But it's really interesting because there is is such a toughness and a fierceness that if I go to other parts of the country or I, I travel the world, I have to remember that I'm really blunt and really direct at times. And even just as a female, that can be a surprise. And The interesting thing here is that I've learned so much about this across so many different areas of my life, from decision-making to raising a toddler and parenting to entrepreneurship to, surprisingly, yoga teacher training. And this one, I think, is actually the most compelling story around being direct. When you are in a yoga class, you do not want your teacher to be like, maybe you should think about putting your hand in just if you want to. Like if you're thinking like it might feel good for you, you should probably put your hand forward. Right or left hand, doesn't like that would drive me nuts. Mm. If I was in a yoga class like that, you want your teacher to say, place your right hand on the mat. Bring your foot forward. 
and you want someone to tell you what to do. And so I think it's a real skill, actually, to be able to tell someone. Even a toddler wants this, you know, what are we doing now? We're going to the potty. Not, hey, can you go to the potty? It's a lot of questioning and badgering of other people. And sometimes we just want people to tell us what to do. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I know you have a son and, you know, I also have a stepson as well as, you know, my infant son that is a few months old. So Your new little one, my little, little, my little guy, my little Bubba. And um, I really believe that that directness is it serves him in so many ways. It's like, well, you know, if you want to maybe sometime soon make your bed or perhaps put your clothes away or whatever you want to do. And I, and I feel like that directness almost kind of creates a level of security in that they're feeling, you know, supported, like, Hey, this is what you need to do. This is the result that's going to be created. This is why you need to do it, you know, and they understand And I wouldn't want a teacher, a coach or a mentor that was like, well, maybe you could do it. I mean, it might, it might be cool. And it's like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Exactly. There's, there's time and space for ambiguity and flexibility, but the French call this, I believe, and I'm not, I don't have a French background. So if I'm butchering this and people are listening and they say, oh no, Sarah, that's wrong. Okay. Tell me about it. But I believe it's called a cadre or a structure. And it's like the boundary or the frame within which you are playing or operating. And I I really believe that directness is a kindness, especially in human relationships. And so often we are too afraid of telling other people what we want directly and clearly that it actually causes a whole bunch of problems that don't need to be there. When we say, hey, when you don't ask me how I am at the end of the day, I don't feel good is so much easier to have a conversation around than me grumping around the house making passive-aggressive comments at my husband, being like, why didn't you clean up this? Like, one of those is actually a much more fruitful conversation and experience. And I believe it so strongly. And when you're a CEO, if you are telling your employees and your partners and your investors, if you're saying, I think we're going to do this, or yeah, it'd be okay if you got this done, but at some point, that causes total stress and chaos for the other person. And if you're clear and you say, we need to have this by the end of the month, this is our number one priority, it's the only thing we're working on, you create so much space for the person. They know what's expected of them. They have the freedom within which to work to work towards it, right? This is our goal. We're going after it. This is where we want to be by the end of the month. They can be more creative. They can bring you better ideas. And it's just all around... Like, I think being direct is just such a kindness. I couldn't agree with you more. And this communication piece is so important as well, because especially in, in business, especially in our relationships with our partners, especially in our relationship as a mother. And I always say, like, even as soon as, as soon as like a discovery call, a sales call, however you want to dial up the name for it. But in those conversations too, it's like, Hey, you know what? When someone says to me, Oh, I want to think about it. I'll circle back to you. I'm like, you know what? Can I be honest with you in this moment? And they're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, you're not calling me back. You're not circling back. That's not what you're going to do. <laughs> so true. You know? It's like, so true. It's not happening. I've seen this. I mean, I've been working with, in, with women particularly for the past four years and, and I know what you're going to do. And I share with them. I say, this is what you're actually going to do. This is what's going to go down after I hang up the phone with you. 
because I, I know what's going to happen and I'm going to be honest with you. And I think that that directness and that communication is actually loving someone and is actually taking a stand for them rather than, like you were saying, being passive, um, aggressive in a relationship or saying to someone, okay, no big deal, whatever. It's like, well, then don't hire me as a coach ever because that means that I don't actually care about you. Yes. It's so much messier to leave all these like, uh, these untangled, like dangling threads that are never closed. Like if you can make a decision now or be clear right now, it's so much cleaner and it helps keep our brain space open, our heart space open. And we know, we know when we want, we, we, when we don't want something or when it's not the right fit. And yet we really hem and haw about being clear with people. You know, somebody offers you, oh, here's a great program. And you're like, ah, I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm not going to say no. But you know, deep inside, the truth is, I don't want that. It's not right for me right now. And it is not your job to protect everybody else's feelings in the world. Like if it, it's like we can't ever hear the word no. Everyone's going to hear the word no. If you're a mom of a toddler, you hear the word no all day long. I'm in that position right now. <laughs> but like at the end of a phone call, if somebody makes you an offer and, and you're doing a sales call, and it's just, you know what? It's not the right fit for me right now. I appreciate everything you're putting together. Thank you for taking the time. It's not the right fit. And that's all. It's so clear. It's clean. They don't have to send you a billion follow-up emails. They're not going to try to guilt you into it. If they do, it just confirms your decision that it wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's like, and I always say to people, I'm like, I don't care if you're a yes or if you're a no. I honestly don't care, but I want to empower you to either be the yes or the no. Like, don't sit in that you know, in between this, when you, when you already know, you know, it's like, just give me the answer today. And then if you change your mind down the road and you become yes, like, cool, but like, yeah, exactly. Like you're giving that permission and that space to that other person. Like you're gifting them with that decision and that clarity and that directness. Like, you know what, this actually doesn't feel good. Or you know what, like, I actually just don't like you, <laughs> whatever it is. Like it, We're just not the right direct. fit. Exactly. Yeah. This is something you'll love, I think, and I'll share a story that listeners, I think you'll, if you're in any sort of sales business or you've ever been on a call before, here's like a couple of secrets that I've learned. One of them is, so I run a mastermind, a yearly mastermind group, and as part of the process, I read through all the applications and then I get on the interview, I set up a whole bunch of interviews with the final candidates, and on the call, at the end of the call, when I have, I know whether or not the person is going to be a right fit. Instead of saying, yeah, I'll get to you, you know, in the next couple of days, I'm going to be finalizing the class and you'll get an email from me and then we'll go from there. You actually, there's a, a, a strategy where you can put the decision in real time right then and see how they respond. And you learn a tremendous amount. And the way it works is by saying, all right, this has been wonderful to spend time with you. I'm so excited. I think you'd be a great fit for this class. When I email you later with your acceptance, are you a hell yes? You know everything there is to know about whether or not the person is honestly going to come because they will either make it, they'll go, what? Uh, oh my, what? And they'll start to explain or excuse themselves. 90% of the time, they're not going to join. Um... Or they're like, oh my God, yes, I'm so in. I'm so excited. What are the next steps? So true. The same thing works really well for hiring people. 
When you're interviewing people and you're trying to figure out if they're a good fit for your team, one of my favorite questions is not, what would your past bosses say about you? Or what would like previous colleagues say about you? You change the language. And I learned this in a book called, it's a really weird title, but it's like how the A method for hiring or who the A method for hiring, but it's a great book on hiring strategy. The question you ask is, when I call your boss to ask what it was like to work with you, what will they say? And people are really honest about it because it's direct. They say, hey, I'm going to you know, get on the phone with your boss and I want to just have a chat. That's what I do before I'm moving forward with any hire. That person will be totally candid with you and you don't actually have to have a conversation with their boss. Right, right. Because you can tell that they're actually telling the truth and not just making up some puffed up story that makes them look really good. Exactly. And it's and it comes back to this quality of directness. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to know. And it's it's not mean. It's not callous. It's not conniving or manipulative. It is truthful. And truth is is cutting in its clarity, but it is is also so profound and so important. I think so. And you know, it's the same even in the relationship with our children. I know I have a stepson that is going to be 11 in November, and. When I ask him a question, I'll just look at him and go, it could be as simple as, did you put your dirty clothes in the hamper? And he'll go, yeah. And I look at him and I'm like, did you put your dirty clothes in the hamper? And I just look at like connect with him. And he's like, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. And I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for being honest. And next time I would love for you to be honest from the get go because we honor honesty and those are traits that are admirable and inspiring. And so you're never going to get in trouble for being honest. Yeah. And now you can skip off to your room and put the dirty <laughs> clothes into the hamper, which I think I've overcorrected that at this point because now he just throws everything, even his jackets in the hamper. I'm like, <laughs> Cam, no, the jacket, the vest does not go into the dirty hamper. I don't understand. What do you mean you don't understand? And I found too, you know, with children and, and I just had this conversation with my stepson and, and I, and I see this with women in business as well. And it drives me crazy. And I call them out on it all the time. And, and I, by the way, I really feel that like being direct is taking such a stand and loving on people because so many people just lie and take the easier road out, which is not being direct or honest or truthful. And I said to him, he, he does this thing where when you ask him a question, he'll go, pardon? And I go, you know, I actually believe that you're saying that to buy time on creating the answer that you're going to give me, as opposed to, you know, just answering truthfully in that moment. You always hear me. So why are you saying pardon? What's going on here? What's going on underneath? And he he just kind of smiled and giggled. And he's like, yeah, I do always hear you. Isn't that interesting? Right. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. So now when he says it, I, ca- you know, and, and I'm really trying to support him in because it becomes habitual. You know, you just kind of do it on automatic. Pardon, pardon, pardon. So now I'll, I'll pause and I'll go, no, what is what is actually the answer? Or what do you actually know to be true in this moment? Even if you're like, I don't know, I don't have the answer. Or I don't, I'm not really sure right now, Melaine. That's okay too. But being decisive and truthful in that moment is going to really empower you as opposed to, you know, stall gating the answer and just saying pardon, pardon, pardon. And I see that with a lot of women in 
business or in sales or in, in a lot of different interactions, they'll say like, Oh, excuse me. Or what did you mean by that? Well, you know exactly what I mean. You don't, you didn't need, there's nothing to excuse. Why are you afraid to just share the truth in this moment? It's, I think it can further us and go a long way. And I think it's so useful. And it's, it's part of my overall strategy too, just in, in when I think about business holistically and work with startup founders and folks who are trying to navigate the whole space of like, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur and what does it mean to be a parent is to shine that directness light inwards as well. Like, what do you really want? And it, Sometimes it's a really clear answer that comes up for people, and sometimes it takes some work to figure it out. But this directness and this clarity, to me, and we can talk more about this if you want, but to me, it boils down to this philosophy that I really, I like, I am cultivating now in my work and working with so many women on, but it's about doing less and really getting clear on the one or two things that matter in our life and dropping the rest just getting rid of the rest of it because there's no way that women can do it all. I think doing it all is a myth. I think that trying to pretend like we're perfect is a disease, a harmful one that keeps us trapped in a cycle of busyness. And the more we can get clear and deciding is hard. Choosing is hard. I have a geeky story about the word decision that I can go into, but making decisions is a challenging thing to do but once you do it, it can provide a lot of clarity. Yeah, I really love this concept because I believe that in the doing less, there's a fear that comes up for a lot of women. And I only know because I've experienced it myself as I journey down relinquishing control and allowing support to come in and, and allowing other people to help me and staying in my zone of genius and giving them different tasks and not trying to micromanage them. Because by the way, micromanaging when you have support is still not doing less. You're actually continuing <laughs> to do more. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, but I think the fear under all that is like, if I really let go, if I really let go, will I be okay? Will I be enough? Will I be able to create the success that I desire? And is it as easy as saying like that I can do less and still be okay? Mm. Oh, that's a hard one. I think it's it can be a rough one to learn. For me, when I was pregnant the first time around, pregnancy threw me for such a loop. I, I like really injured my legs. I had a hard time walking. I gained a lot of weight that I didn't want to. I had pelvic like dislocation. So there's just an incredible amount of pain. And I was working at a job that increasingly I didn't like. And so for somebody who is ambitious, outgoing, direct, like fast, you know, New Yorkers walk fast. <laughs> I love it. Mm, um, I, I'm an athlete. I love doing all these things. It basically felt like one by one, the universe was taking away parts of my identity. It was saying, oh, you think you're an athlete? Meh, your legs don't work. It's like, oh, you think you're fast? No, you're not. Like, you think you're capable and competent at your job? Well, you're not anymore. And it was pretty brutal. It just kept feeling like everything I thought I was as a person was disappearing away from me, all for the sake of like becoming a parent. And I got really depressed by it. And I had some very deep and dark moments where I cried and cried and just had to ask, you know, if I'm none of those things that I used to hold so dear, what's left? And do I still have value just by sitting here? Do I still matter as a person if I'm not doing anything? And I think that's um, 
I think it's a really hard question to ask. Like, do I still matter if I don't do things? Is deeply uncomfortable for people to live into that question. And inherently, the answer is a resounding, of course you are valuable. You are valuable by breathing. You are valuable by, like, just by the art of who you are. Like, you're so beautiful and so wonderful and you do have value. But feeling that as a person, when we're so addicted to being busy and we've been so cultured and taught that what we do matters more than who we are, it, it is really hard. And I think that like letting go of doing things is, it's not easy. No, it's definitely not. I mean, as someone that is a type A overachiever, overdoer, um, recovering perfectionist type of person, you know, recovering OCD and all of that, I think that our identity can get really wrapped up in the doing and the production and the results that are created from that. And so are you enough in the just being like, I, you know, the first month after having my child, it was a really emotional roller coaster for me because a lot of that was just being like literally just holding him against my breath and feeding him. And that was pretty much all I could do. My mother had to like sometimes even just hold the glass of water to my mouth so I could drink it, you know, until I really was able to start to balance holding a glass and feeding him at the same time. It's very uncomfortable in the beginning and kind of finding your rhythm and your groove. And that question of like, am I enough just like as who I am in this moment? And I think that it's really, you know, it's something that I'm still on a journey with. I'm not going to say like, I'm really there and I really believe that like me just being is more than enough. And I know innately that the answer is the truth is that like who I am as a creator and a being is just enough showing up in a room but I don't think on my journey, I'm 100% there in owning that statement just yet. I'm working right, on it. Right. You know? And we're going to keep circling back. I mean, I, we're going to get closer yeah. to it and further away and closer. It's not a like, I have unlocked level like human awesome. And now I'm, it, we keep cycling back and relearning yeah. and relearning these lessons. And for me, there's two things that have really helped. One of them is this fallacy that we think we have a lot more time than we do. Like if you really look at how much time you have on this planet, in this body, and how unpredictable it is. We just simply do not have much time. And a great way of framing this up is to imagine, and it's it's kind of morbid, but it helps, but imagine that you have five more years and start to ask yourself what you would like to do in those next five years. Like, what is it that you want to do? Because after that, it's pretty fuzzy anyways. Like, we're, it's not really guaranteed, first of all, that you get those five years. But to live as though we have 40 to 60 years it's not actually accurate and it doesn't help us make better decisions. So really shorten that time frame. And then the other thing is to ask yourself, if I could only do one thing, maybe two, and I will give you a caveat, which is you can have this question for both your business and your personal life separately. But if you could only do one or two things in business and you could only do one or two things in your personal life, what would they be? And people will say, that's too hard. I can't choose. I can't choose. And I'm going to say, shit or get off the pot. Sorry for my French or my, or my swearing. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say, get that poop out. I don't know what I would say. But like, go ahead and force the decision. It doesn't feel good. But write everything down. Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? And that clarity is your key to freedom. And for me, I realized in my business life, I want to write and I want to connect people to each other. And that's what I do. I write like a mad woman and I run community groups and masterminds that connect other women together. That's it. 
everything else is a supportive structure, but is not really the goal. Everything I'm doing is about building community and connecting them and writing and sharing these ideas. And in my personal life, I want to have an awesome family and I want to be outside as much as possible. And that's about it. I don't care if we eat goldfish for dinner. I don't care if we go to bed at the wrong time. Like, There's just so much stuff. Like we don't, we're not the best dressers in the world. I make crappy pasta for dinner parties. Um, the house is rarely clean. Like, and that because it just doesn't matter. I'm not going to write on my um, tombstone at the end of my life. Well, she kept a clean house and everybody liked her and she made the best dinners. No, I made space for people to come over because I made crappy pasta and told you to pick up some um, simple cheese on the way. And that's what we ate. Mm. This is such a great invitation for people to really reframe the way they're looking at their life and also to reframe what's important to them. You know, and I really, 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 I couldn't agree with you more on everything that you're saying in this moment. It's funny because I have a mentor of mine who he similarly talks about, you know, that his enemy is actually the clock, you know, and that he's really in tune with the value of time. And when people say like, oh, we have so much, you know, I have so much time to see my parents. Well, like, let's, you know, the average American lives to age 76. And let's say they're 66. That's 10 years, perhaps, if they're you know, going to live to the average life expectancy. And if you, how many times do you visit them? And it's like, well, if you visit them one time a year, that's only 10 more visits that you have with them. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and like that really reframes and it's like, holy, wait, 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 slow down. Like this is, you know, when I got clear on that, I was like, oh my God, because my relationship with my grandmother is just so important and I value it so much, but I wasn't making it a priority to connect with her. Because I'm like, oh, well, she's got, you know, another five years or so. Like, we've got plenty of time. Like, no, we actually don't. And I also love the um, the invitation of, like, choosing, you know, what's important in your personal life. Like, what's important in your in your business. And getting clear on those one or two things. Because the rest really doesn't matter. And when you prioritize them, that means that you're going to make time and you're going to make space for them. And a lot of times I find that... We're making time and space for shit that is like so invaluable and so not important and not actually a priority of ours. Not at all. And doesn't matter. And I think there's some freedom. Like I step back and I make this joke. You may find it funny or not funny, but I always say like, you know what? You're probably going to go to therapy no matter what I do to my children. I'm like, you know Mm -hmm. what? I'll, I'll find a way to mess you up. We don't know what it is yet, but we'll all be in therapy. I'm in therapy. You're in therapy. It'll be great. Um, but like lifting that off your back of just saying, okay, first of all, remove the remove the fact that I can never be a perfect mother. Okay, great. So I'm going to do a couple of things really well for you. Like I am going to, I'm going to make sure you read books for as long as I can. And I'm going to get you outdoors. Like those things really matter to me. And I'm going to spend time at night reading you books because I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to take that many dinner meetings. I'm going to race home. I'm going to make sure I'm there for that thing. And you're going to be in daycare and you'll be great. Right. And like your lunches are going to be kind of boring and like all the other stuff doesn't. It's okay. It's okay to be. I actually think we should embrace instead of trying to get be a like I think women are cultured this way. We try to get perfect report cards. Like when we went to school, it was really important that you got an A in everything, A's and B's across the board. And like you didn't give a crap about photography class, but you still got to be plus because you're a good student. 
And so we have this mentality of trying to do really well across every single thing. And I think we can be way more lopsided and instead say, I'm going to be great at one or two things. And the rest of it, I'm going to get a C or a D. Like I'm going to get a bad grade and that's okay. As long as I don't fail, fail. You know what? You'll be great. That'll be great. It might even be better for the kids. Yeah, I agree with this. And I, I always say to my clients that I work with, especially in business, business-wise, it's like, you shouldn't be doing the things that you're competent and incompetent in. Like, you should just be staying in your zone of genius. And so I, I hate doing laundry. I hate cooking. For, you know, I really do. I hate cleaning. And so, I, you know, I hire people to do those things for me because I don't like doing it. People are like, oh my God, that's so excessive and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's really not because in those time, in that time frame, that hour that someone's cleaning my house or two hours, or in that time frame that someone's prepping a meal for me, or in that time frame that someone is, you know, helping with the laundry or whatever it is, I actually can be doing something that's in my zone of genius, whether it's on a sales call or coaching or whatever. And that's actually moving the meter in my life and also lighting me up and also making me feel really good. So I'm a better mother and a better spouse. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably going to end up making more money in those time periods than if I were to drain my energy by folding laundry or or like making dinner. Because it's just not going to come out good. It's just not going to be good. Right. And there's so many different strategies too where... There's varying levels of privilege and accessibility, and some people are in very early on in the stages of being able to outsource or afford things. And for that, like, it doesn't have to be a paid strategy. I have a really yeah. good friend who is a multiple founder of several different companies, and her laundry strategy is they don't even have dressers. They just do the laundry and put it in a bucket, and each person in the family gets a bucket. And if it's something that wrinkles or something that needs to be folded, they don't keep it in the house. They just each have a bucket for laundry because she was like, I just don't ever want to, I don't want to fold it. I don't want to put it away. I don't want it to be complicated. You get a clean bucket and a dirty bucket and then you wash it and that's it. And I was like, wow. And for dinners, you don't have to order food. Like you can buy relatively decent microwave meals or cook a lot of rice and beans, which is what we do in our household tons of rice and beans. I make a crock pot of like spaghetti sauce and then we eat spaghetti five days in a row. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's, there's just ways around these, these things. Yeah. 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 Although I got to say like, even when I wasn't like making the big bucks, I still had a cleaning lady come once or, you know, twice a month or something like that. And just made it the, you know, self-care give back to myself that I was going to have um, and just, you know, clean for me and just made it a priority. Like, you know how you're prioritizing things like that, you know, having that was just a priority for me and, and making other things like maybe going out to a dinner with friends or going out to drinks with friends or doing, you know, whatever that wasn't a priority, you know, having that house feel clean and nice was more of it. So I, yeah. And there's so many ways to get around it. I mean, especially when you live in in cities like New York or LA or London, or there's so many, like we have in um, Auckland, New Zealand, we have a meal food service that like delivers to your front door in the morning. That's amazing. It's so cool. And by the way, it costs, the breakdown of each meal is about eight bucks. Right. You know, and you have to decide, decide what's important to you. Is speed yeah. important to you? Is efficiency important to you? Is high quality food? And But you have to pick. What is the most important thing? And what are you willing to trade your time for? Because time is the thing that we don't have much of. 
dollars can change, energy can change, but time, right? And so like if for you, if what you really crave and love is a beautiful, clean house and that brings you joy and expands the amount of time that you feel that you have and opens up your time to be able to do other things that like that fill you up with lots of energy, then that's the right choice for you. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more than I, I mean, I agree with everything that you're saying. I love everything <laughs> you're saying. I'm like, I need to have more Sarah in my life. And if anyone else is feeling the same way, Sarah, and they want to learn more about what you're up to, get more of you in their life, where can they go? Yeah. So the company I run is called Startup Pregnant, and we look at the intersection of business and parenting. And we have a weekly show where we interview women entrepreneurs about how they do all of this different stuff and what they choose and what they don't choose. And then my professional website is sarahkpeck.com. And so you can find me in both places, Sarah K. Peck on Twitter or Startup Pregnant on Twitter, or both of my websites have email addresses. It's pretty easy to find me. Awesome. And I encourage you ladies to do so. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today and just sharing some of your wisdom. And I think, you know, there was some really key points that will, you know, really drive home for some people. And I, and I'm hoping that right now people are having breakthroughs around the importance and value of time and letting go of being perfect and so many other things that you shared with us. But I just so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to get on a on a podcast and have good, enriching conversations. So pleasure is all mine. Mm, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I really love, I, I selfishly do these because I myself learn so much and just really enjoy talking and experiencing other women that are on a similar journey. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Awesome. And for everyone listening in, thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, have an amazing rest of your day. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Remember to rate and review our show and let us know how you like us. You can email me anytime, Malene at MalaneLee.com. And to find more about what we're creating at Malene Lee Incorporated, head over to my website, MalaneLee.com. You can check out all the new services, programs, offerings that we have that are really there to support you in having financial freedom. Have a great day.